This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. She'll lift you up and empower you to help your child and your family thrive. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Before we get started with this episode, I want to share an upcoming opportunity with all of you, the second annual Parenting Autism Online Summit. This is 28 autism and parenting experts sharing their best tips and strategies on how to empower your child with autism to thrive. This event is 100% online and absolutely free November 4th through 7th of 2019. Go to ParentingAutismSummit.com slash podcast to grab your spot. That's ParentingAutismSummit.com slash podcast. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining me on this next episode of the Parenting ADHD podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to Catherine in this episode about the brilliance and the blues of ADHD. And I think we're really going to dive into when kids are smart, but they're also struggling, which is so common for our kids with ADHD. Thanks for being here, Catherine. Will you start by introducing who you are and what you do for everyone listening? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Penny. I am, um, I've been listening to your podcast for a bit now, and I'm sort of a person who hasn't been, I didn't even get into the podcast world until recently. And I love your podcast. So thank thank you you for having me. I am a child psychologist of many years, um, like 20 years. And um, I specialize in pediatric neuropsychology, which is really just a fancy way of saying um, that I look really closely at kids learning and mental health through testing. Mm -hmm. And I am a parent of a now 20-year-old who's in college. Um, His name is Will, and he has the combined presentation ADHD, so um, the hyperactive and impulsive symptoms as well as the inattention. And even though he's 20, I would say those symptoms, there's still um, a lot of fidgetiness going on. And I I wrote a book about him called Raising Will, surviving the brilliance and blues of ADHD. And it, it launched the end of May um, of 2019. So awesome. Yeah, we have that in common that we have uh, kids with ADHD that we write about and share about, um, yeah. which I think is amazing. You know, it takes, it. I never really question doing that myself, um, but I think it does take some, courage to put ourselves out there like that. So definitely applaud you for doing that too. It's, it's so helpful to so many families, just even sharing our stories. You know, that's funny that you say that because I was sort of like you, uh, Penny, that I wasn't thinking that much about the courage part because, you know, we're focused on writing our stories. And for me, there was a lot of, um, like it was therapeutic being able to go through the process of, it was, it was hard too, because obviously you can't just rant, um, about your experience. You have Mm -hmm. to, you have to be thoughtful about how you're writing it. But my husband the other day, who is not a big complimenter, by the way, (laughs) he, he is not, but he was saying to me that it takes courage he said that took a lot of courage, and and I th- I bet you get this too, where people say you were so honest, and yeah. yeah, and you're you're thinking in your mind, well, well, that's the point, right? Um, yeah, to be that's honest. the whole point is to share a really honest view, right? Because it's not really out there that much. The real kind of from the trenches honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so needed, you know, because that can really counteract the belief that it must be our parenting or that nobody else struggles with their kids like we do. 
Yes. Yeah. And there's so many of us, you know, there's so many of us. There's so many of us. And that's been one of the greatest things that's happened as a result of writing this is that, um, I've, I really feel my world has opened up. It's, it's been a world where I've been very connected with parents and kids in the office for many years, mm-hmm. but it's opened up outside of the office, which in, which has been lovely. I, I feel, I just have loved talking to people in a more day-to-day experience about this topic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. It's, it's so fabulous that other people are doing it too. I'm thrilled. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, just because I know how much it's needed, you know, we, one of the biggest things for me, um, when my son was diagnosed was finding other parents who had kids with ADHD wow. and recognizing that I really wasn't alone because this parenthood can be so very isolating. And yeah. I think we automatically go to that, that place of self-blame and shame as a parent. And so when we reach out and we see that other people are, are um, you know, having some similar issues, it's so huge. It's such a relief. Um, and I, I think back, you know, I've been on this journey now 11 years since my son was diagnosed. And I think all the time about where in the world would I be if I hadn't like joined Facebook and reached out online and yeah. started blogging and having people interact with me, what would life be like? And um, it would be monstrously different for sure. But I think also yeah. not nearly... Um, we just wouldn't be in the place that we're in, which is a much better place than we were originally, but there's still struggle. And you and I were talking about this before we started the interview. There's still struggle. You know, you're, you're a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I train parents on kids with ADHD and autism. And, you know, there's still struggles for both of our kids and both of our families. And that's just, I think the nature of, what we're dealing with, you know? Well, it's interesting because, um, I think there's a level of denial almost that I'm still working through. And that's what, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is that I don't even know if denial is the right word. I'm not sure, but I know that when I finished this book, um, I mean the, you know, really one of the things that's great that's happened is that through music and thus the word blues in my title through music, that has been my son's, um, let's call it gift. Mm -hmm. That's been his real strength. And I think he would say that's been a huge savior. Not only did the guitar allow a lot of movement for him that was super functional, but his, he's a very, um, uh, feeling type person. And so he could, you know, all kinds of things were very possible for him and came alive for him through music. And so he's at a conservatory now called Oberlin. He's at Oberlin Conservatory in Ohio and at their college. And so, yes, that's a, that's a really cool thing. And it's also, he's still Will, right? And so right. he is still someone who, let's say he's 20, in many ways he's, you know, the research shows that when you have ADHD, you're really um, uneven skills in lots of ways. And so maybe he's intellectually in some areas, 23 even, but then in his planning and organization, I would say probably more like 17 and that might even be exaggerating. So, so, so he's at a school that's really hard and he's, he would be bored if he was just doing the conservatory because he likes, you know, history and all this other stuff. So he's doing something called the dual degree, Wow! but he's really finding that, um, what, you know, and he speaks about this too. I've his, my first podcast on my website is with me, with him talking to him and he's super honest about his experience, but he would say that not only has he been a little bit lonely, because he's so used to us being like in his business. I think, you know, we've been so close as a family in part because we've had to be very involved in helping him. 
Mm-hmm. And so he he's missed us more than I missed my parents. I mean, I just I was completely neurotypical. I just jumped ship and and was like, woohoo, this is great. So he's missing yeah. us and he's really um it's it's pretty tricky. He's doing okay, but I mean so so those are the pieces where I have to still say, Will, have you you know, from afar, my anxiety still gets pretty high because I, I can tell that there's these blind spots still for him or whatever you want to call it. He even mm-hmm. said yesterday, I think in terms of today, mom, I'm, I'm about today. And I said, I know that's what makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm having, yeah. So I'm really having to let go, which is a big gift he's given me as helping me learn my own, um, you know, helping me really learn to let go more. And, and that's just a very hard thing. Even if I didn't have will, um, that's a hard thing for me. I, I tend to, um, and that's a whole other issue, but I, you know, so our combination of me and then having this guy will, it's been such a learning process. I'm still learning so much. Yeah. And I think that that goes on forever, really. You know, I think we're here to learn um, every day different things, but it's it's ever-changing for our kids. Um, even, even as they become adults, you know, life changes. We have different circumstances as we get older, we change jobs or, you know, we start relationships or whatever it is. There's just always that element of change that can be really unsettling and difficult for people with ADHD. It can be just harder. Um, And, you know, then you're readjusting. Do the strategies that I've been using now help in these new situations? And do I need to learn new strategies? And, you know, and I I see myself, my son is um, turning 17 next week. um, And I still see myself as having to be a support system for him for a very long time. Um, you know, financially healthy thing to be saying, (laughs) do what? I think that's great that you're just, you, you, there's no denial on your part. You get it. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, and that's the healthiest thing for all of us as parents of kids with ADHD is to stop being in denial and really accept that our child has a different way of moving through the world and their journey can be a completely different path and probably needs to be and that that's totally acceptable and that's not going to limit them or hold them back that you know we have to get rid of that traditional expectation of success from our society. We just have to give that up as parents of kids who are neuroatypical. Um, And that's not to say that we are lessening our expectations for our kids. We are just saying that the path can and should be different to what success looks like for them. And I really am a strong believer that that's the way we should parent every kid not just kids with differences or disabilities. Um, You know, we really need to start parenting the individual and raising individuals. Um, But I think we have a long way to go as a society. And so for us as parents of kids with ADHD, we have to do that work ourselves. We have to say it's okay not to have that typical path. Um, My child will be a successful adult it just may look differently and they may need more from me when they're an adult and that's okay. You know? Yeah, definitely. I, um, cause we have a 16 year old who, um, is, uh, just, you know, she's, she's adopted. We adopted Emma from China and when she was a toddler and she's, uh, just very, 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 independent. And, um, so I can tell it's not just my desire to jump in and help all the time because she doesn't need it. And it's great. Um, but you know, I think it's a very fine line too. And and so when I look back or, or, or even when I look now, Will chose Oberlin, he really wanted to go to Oberlin. I think there was also, you know, um, he wanted to go, he auditioned there a few times and he wanted to do it. 
but we're really having to work with him on the fact that, I mean, he's basically saying, you know, mom, I'm surrounded by jazz virtuosos when I'm a blues musician. And, you know, um, I think he's had, there was societal pressure too, because of Oberlin's reputation. And Mm -hmm. I think will also ADHD or not, I don't think it's a bad thing that he ended up going and, and I don't know what's going to happen there, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think that his baggage around confidence and him getting in trouble and him because he was moving or out of his seat. Those are some of the things that I think, I think he's still carrying yeah, um, and still really working through himself. That that's a big reason why I founded ADHD and You, which is after I wrote my book, it was like, well, you know, you get the question, what are you gonna, what, how are you going, what's your next step? And for me, um, mine has is really to share what I know and yeah. to get out and just really start talking about the things that kids have shared with me throughout my practice and give them a voice. And for my son, I went to see a really great, um, his name's Jonathan Mooney wrote the book, normal socks as well as short bus. And I just went and heard him talk about his book. And I agree so much with what he has to say about the school system, not that I want to bash the school system because I think it's been a process just like anything, but that that traditional system, um, we live in a neighborhood in St. Anthony Park, St. Paul, that is a very traditional school system that my son Will went to. And so he's still really carrying the baggage of being the kid who, uh, had some, you know, like any kid with ADHD, there's a lot more negative feedback. Mm-hmm. And Annie's also had a ton of positive feedback around music. And as he developed more academically around other things. Um, but I think he's really, we're, my mission is to, is to help through his story and through the stories of kids shape a different expectation, just like you, Penny. Yeah. Yeah, that different expectation is so important. And, um, you know, I talk to parents all the time about finding your child's strength or passion or talent um, and running with it, like embracing it fully and running with it because they need that counterbalance. We, my son is in 11th grade in high school right now, and we are really, really struggling this year with... um, finishing. Honestly, we are struggling with finishing high school. And it has come from some of what you were just talking about, just this um, history of not succeeding, of teachers expecting him to be able to function and do the output because they see that he's so smart. And that has taken its toll on him over the years. And he came to the point at the beginning of the school year where he felt like he just didn't really know why he should bother trying anymore. Um, oh, just heartbreaking. Gosh, that, that kills me. It kills me, Penny, to hear yeah. that. Yeah, it's yeah. been really so you're tough. Still really, you're in the trenches as we speak. Yes. Yes, and it's yes. funny because yes. over the yes. summer I was really talking about how he's embracing music as as your son is and um you know we're talking about what certification programs he can do after high school to be a sound engineer and you know we have this clear path now and and he was starting to um not be as resistant to doing new things mm-hmm. um you know, like he, he has autism as well. He's very much on the very high end of that spectrum, but he still struggles with some of those um, traits and he would always avoid going anywhere new and trying anything new. You know, he just didn't want to do anything. He wanted to stay at home in his comfort bubble, you know, and I get that he had kind of broken free of that bubble and he was willing to go and do, um, he did steel drum classes over the summer with a group of people he didn't know. And he kept going, you know, he would have his shoes on and be ready to walk out the door. 
um, before it was even time to go where before we would have to like practically drag him to do anything. Oh my gosh, I get that. Yeah. And so I really was kind of blindsided when school started with all of this because I was just bragging about how great things were finally going, you know, and and it's just an example that there's always some struggle, even for people like you and I who are very entrenched in this community and working to help other families there's still some struggle. Well, you know, one of the things that I got feedback on as I was writing my book from editors, um, and I did a program at the Loft Literary Center. It used to be called the Forward Program. It was a two-year creative writing program. And so I applied to that and got accepted into that. And that's really what helped me write my book, honestly, because I was very much an academic writer. I mean, I didn't know, I hadn't done creative writing. So, but I had written a lot throughout my life and I liked it. I just didn't really know how. So one of the things I got feedback around was Catherine, like you're a professional and you're struggling. So you really need to give your readers more information as well on what's helped you. And so I did embed that information more. And I, um, and that's another message that's very important to me in this process is that I, I do, um, really press myself to, if I'm not feeling good and it's hard, you know, we're very tied in. So if my son calls from college and he says, I don't even know why I'm at Oberlin to be quite honest, I'm struggling today. Or, you know, I, you know, I sense myself getting worked up too. And so then I will say to my husband, let's go on a walk and we will walk sometimes for an hour. I'll say, let's just go, let's get the dogs. And then I get really focused in our little dogs minds and they're so cute and they, I can start nurturing them and they're more simple for me. And I can go do that. And maybe that evening I will go and purposefully go to a yoga class and I'll really feel my breathing and I'll be practicing like breathing out things I can't control. And it it really is very, very helpful for me. Yeah. That's the other piece that I feel really strongly about and teach parents is this mindset shift. You know, we have to think about things in a different way. We have to have that acceptance. We have to, you know, keep our thoughts on track with, okay, my child is having a bad day. He's struggling. Um, It's hard. I feel that, you know, intensely for him, but I know that it's going to be okay. And now I'm going to do things to help myself with all of these emotions, like going for the walk and going to yoga, because that self-care is so important too. Um, I mean, I want to eat a bunch of crap and I want to go and, you know, put a bunch of like Swedish fish or just awful food in my cart. And sometimes, you know, some of that food ends up in my cart, but, um, you know, I, I feel like, having, you know, just talking to myself and truly saying, and it, the honest truth is there are so many options and we can get really like really wrapped into these, um, you know, just all kinds of anxieties culturally that don't matter. And I, Mm -hmm. that, that aren't, um, you know, my son was at a pro, he, he was a counselor at Widgie last summer, uh, Wagon camp up in Ely, and he worked there throughout the summer and absolutely loved it. He led kids in the boundary waters, and so I was even saying to him because he was said, "I was wish I was back at Widgie. It was just so simple." And I said, "You might end up doing something like that professionally. Mm -hmm. You might end up leading. You know that if you're that happy in that setting, that might be something to that you can." strive towards. I mean, so I, and I don't envision, I don't think I would have said that a year ago. And I do believe it. I do think if he loves the outdoors and if it's that calming to him, Hey, have a very small loft somewhere and have low rent and do that and be happy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I talk to parents all the time about what is the ultimate goal, not the incremental goal, What is the ultimate goal? And the ultimate goal for us as parents of kids with ADHD is to help our kids craft a life where they can have success and happiness 
in a way, whatever way that looks like for them, whatever definition of success is for them, whatever definition of happiness is for them. Um, you know, and my son's struggle this year with school, he keeps talking about how broken education is, which I'm sure he's heard me talk about before <laughs> as well, but he's really feeling it now. You know, he's sitting yeah. through this math that is oh. unbelievably difficult. He knows he's never going to use this particular math in his life. And he's struggling just to pass, just to be motivated to do it and asking why? Why do I have to do this? And for him, and it's that that autism piece again, you yes. know, because it's important or because a high school diploma is important is not a reason. <laughs> like uh-huh. for him, a reason has to be direct, directly <laughs> tied right now. You know, that whole, there's today, there's now and not now for ADHD. <laughs> and so, you know, when I started talking to him about, well, maybe what you want to do with your life or what a career might look like would be to be a therapist or to be an educational advocate or something along the lines of trying to change the educational experience for kids like you in the future because it has been completely crappy for you and he's really feeling it, you know? And so we talked about that for a while. I mean, just whatever our kids are really passionate about, we can go with, you know, the, the struggle right now in traditional school, high school or college is that they're trying to succeed in a neurotypical world and they don't have a neurotypical brain. But once they get past kind of the education system, they get to make a lot more choices for themselves. Yeah, They can choose things that they're super interested in, which helps to fire up and stimulate the brain and helps them be more successful all on its own, just that one thing, you know? So really kind of, running with some of those ideas from our kids is so very helpful. It can be very fruitful. Well, William made that comment in his, in the podcast I did with him on my website. I think it's called when you become a poster child for your mom's organization. (laughs) (laughs) But he did talk about the fact that with jobs, it's so different and you can choose the job that you have. And he spoke quite a bit about that. And in some ways I feel a parallel process with him in that I am now choosing this more writing, this writing life and I'm tapering down in my work in the office and moving into writing more books. And I relate to him in terms of, yes, I'm going to have a very different, I'm not going to make as much money most likely. And that's okay with me too, because I'm, I'm really, as I'm getting older, I'm also really learning about what's super duper important. And so it's funny because it's really where he's this young person And now I'm like, you know, 50 and I'm having the same thing. Like, yeah, well, I, maybe I'll downsize big time too. I don't care as much about where I live as much as what I do. Yeah. This special parenthood really changes our viewpoint on life. You know, it can really show you what's most important and it's often not any of the things that our culture is telling us are important, you know, um, grades, grades aren't nearly as important as your teachers will tell you they are, um, going to a four-year university straight out of college or even at all isn't the only path to success, no. um, you know, and there's so many, and, and we see how smart our kids are because so many kids with ADHD have a gifted intelligence um, or even a mind that thinks differently that's really smart in other ways, like super smart in problem solving or ingenuity or creativity. You know, smarts don't always have to be just the IQ part. Exactly. Um, But we still see them struggle and we, we really have a hard time as parents reconciling that. It's very hard to, to see this brilliant kid and then say, okay, but he can't really function at that level in some ways. And in some ways he's far beyond like my son's verbal 
fluency and vocabulary are off the charts. Your son and mine, right? So right. That, that's this thing that is very unique and, and that I speak about too. It is, he, that's the hard part for our daughter is that here's Will who tests in a certain way. And yet he, you know, we say to her, none of us are going to test like Will, me, my husband, you, who cares? And do you, you know, so, you know, and she's, she's kind of like, well, great. You know, I have a brother who's older, who's had these certain skills and yet she very much understands, um, she kind of refers to Will as quote needy. She's like, Oh my gosh, he can be so needy. He can be so needy because he comes home and then the entire dynamic has shifted and we're Mm -hmm. all, we're all kind of um, rooting around him. And, you know, there's also that sense he gets mad at all of us and she's much more controlled. So the whole house kind of flips um, a bit when he comes home, but it flips with a lot of love too, because um, we, you know, we, we kind of, I don't know, we turn into like this Italian sort of <laughs> screaming <laughs> kind of, I don't know what we do, but we, Boisterous. we try our best. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you done to kind of reconcile that, that I see the smart kid, I talk to the smart kid, but I know that he is behind in some areas or he struggles in some areas or he needs my help in some areas, even though he's a young adult. Well, at this stage, I am, I've encouraged him to be in counseling. He did not want to be in counseling in college at first. He was Mm -hmm. like, mom, I've done this a lot. And he had wonderful support here. I really encouraged it there. And he has sought it out and he's funny. William is super funny about it. He's like, mom, I talk for the first 10 minutes straight and I answer my own questions. (laughs) He is, he's like, I had no idea how much I needed that support. So he's doing that. And he says that the woman he sees is great. So, um, he's, and he's very tight with his guitar instructor. So that helps me. So, so what have I done? I think I have a very close friend that I talk to. I go in and out of my own counseling. Um, I do, and I communicate really openly with him, which can be painful and, you know, but I am, I mean, we have things when he comes home and I can tell some things up and I'll say, well, we all need to talk. And it often moves into him being really mad at us at first and saying, you guys just need to back up. But it's in my gut that there's really, you know, there's that things are off and I know they're off and he's not facing certain things. And so ultimately we will end up having a great discussion that moves forward. So some of it is learning to just manage some of the discomfort and to move through it and to then come up with plans and to, you know, and that process is my, you know, my, some, my husband is like, Will, why does it always have to be so hard? Why, why do we have to go through that whole part first? But it's, who knows? That's just where he is. And um, I would say that us being really tight as a family, I mean, you that is a big part of it. And I guess we're part of the reason that he shares is that we don't get all furious about things. You know, yeah. we just want to know what's happening. Yeah. In a deep way so yeah. that it can be helpful and not just, yeah. And I think, you know, as teens and young adults, their inclination is say, is to say, I'm fine. Um, Leave know, me I'm, alone, please. Yeah. Yeah. I can do this on my own because the kids around them are doing it on their own that, you know, their peers, they see doing things differently and they're very, um, they're very aware of that. They're, yes. you know, and they're very, um, aware of the difference, that chasm between in some ways. And, you know, for me being able to reconcile, was working on my own mindset, my own thoughts, and really understanding asynchronous development, really understanding that someone can be um, accelerated 
you know, above average in one area and super below average in another area. Like my son's executive functioning is so poor. It's almost non-existent. Um, planning an organization, when he did the questionnaire, the rating scale, the brief, um, his planning an organization score was literally at the very tip top line, almost off the chart bad. So, you okay, know, that's so, something yes. that we look at, you know, so we have this brilliant kid who lives in filth in his bedroom and doesn't know <laughs> how to, you know, and, and truly, if you think about, well, this kid is so smart, why can't he pick up his room? Why wow. can't he just take the dish to the kitchen when he's done, right? That's what we would automatically kind of think. But if I can remind myself that there's a difference in his brain, that he doesn't see the mess, he doesn't know where to start to address it. He gets too engrossed in things to stop and do something about organizing and things like that. Then I understand and then I get relief. Then yes. I can say, okay, I know what's happening and I can address what's really going on here. And yes, he can be smart and completely be a pig. <laughs> That's really funny. I mean, and, and the other thing that I do talk about in my book is I, I, I go through like some of the score discrepancies and I ha there's a scene where my husband is asking, we're at a feedback session and my husband, I think the title of the chapter is what is coding? And my husband is like, that's what he asked. He looks through all this testing and then he sits there and he, that's the only question because my son bombed this subtest from an IQ measure called coding. And, and it really, and I, I, a part of this was a little bit of like a, I felt in my name, I don't know. I think because in my neighborhood, it was such a, I was an outsider coming into my neighborhood. I'm not Minnesotan and my husband is from here. And I just, I felt it was so painful when the, my son was lagging in different areas. And I felt that there was this real major insensitivity that people, mm -hmm. they had no idea they were being insensitive by talking about, look at this stupid homework our kids are given. Yeah. And, you know, it was hurtful. And so in the book, it, my son's, um, cognitive testing showed these huge differences. Of course, he tested into the gifted and talented, which didn't matter in his school because they, they didn't take kids out of class or anything for it. They just knew that you were in that grouping. There were so many kids in the grouping already, but he tested into that and yet he had this score. And what we know about coding is it's a processing speed subtest that makes it really hard to like copy information from the board or, yes. or, and so no wonder. So I put that in the book in many ways to help people understand a lot about the brain. And yes, my son walks around just like yours with this incredible vocabulary, but there were real reasons that he, that, that, some of those modifications were really important. And I don't know, there's still a bit of a bitterness within me that I'm working through about the lack of understanding. And I know that people can't get it until they're there, but that's part of why I'm talking about these things. Yeah. And that real reason isn't laziness. It is an opposition. No. It isn't defiance. And that's that's what it looks like. I mean, to be fair to the general public and even teachers who don't know anything or a lot about ADHD, that's absolutely what it looks like on the surface. And that's why we have to really dig deep and understand our kids, understand that there are different parts of the brain that control these different aspects that we're talking about. Yes. And you know, intelligence is one part of the brain and, um, you know, planning an organization or processing speed is something different and it can be different. They can be far off of each other as far as the level where they are. Um, you know, if I had to say what age my son's executive functioning was, I would probably say like age three or four and he's turning 17. Gives me a big idea of what you're doing as a parent. And I'm the frontal lobe. You are, you <laughs> are the surrogate frontal lobe. Yes. Penny. You yes. are. And so am I, except my, 
<laughs> I am in some ways, and so is Bill, and even so is Emma, our daughter, in many ways. And hey, you know, I've seen some beautiful things with kids who have autistic siblings. Like one, I'll never forget being in my office, and there was a child with autism who was having a huge fit, and his sister was sitting by him, and she had just opened a candy bar and she handed it to him. And um, he had already eaten his, but she handed it to him. And what sibling would do that? <laughs> That's just not typical. But if you have right. a sibling with special needs, these kids, the siblings end up being so special. Mm-hmm. Yes. And sometimes traumatized. I'm yes. Like, you're you're my so daughter. Right. Yeah. yeah. She's, she has really, really struggled over the years with um, some things. And so now we're working at it. She's 20 and, um, you know, working through a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, stuff that she's really held in because she didn't want to burden me more. Um, That's what I've learned this week, which also can be heartbreaking, but, you know, so I had to remind her that she is completely of equal importance and she's not burdening me. I'm her mother and I want to help her and it would be more of a burden if she didn't allow me to help her. So, you know, we, we have to really be very aware of siblings and what they're really going through. And it's really hard when we're in the trenches with our kids who need more from us to really keep in mind those siblings and what the experience is like for them. And, and truly I believe that she will be a better person because of that experience. Um, Her first year in college, she was assigned a roommate who has Asperger's. Oh, you're kidding me. No. And it was, I mean, the relief for that mother was she was in tears because she realized that that it was just such a relief that she was going to have a roommate that actually got it and wasn't going to freak out about every little difference and every quirk, you know, and um, so, you know, we, we walk this journey and there are reasons for it. And they, I'm, completely a better person because of it. You know, I'm a a better parent. I'm um, way more empathetic and compassionate. Not that I wasn't before, but Mm -hmm. um, on a different level, you know, I can look at other people and their struggle and say, I don't know their story, but I can imagine that they really need my empathy and compassion, not my judgment, you know, and that's something we learn from this parenthood. It is. Um, I wanted to just talk for a second. You had mentioned um, kind of being okay with distress and discomfort. Yeah. And my son with a new therapist for the past few months, that is what they've really come to as kind of the root of a lot of what he is struggling with right now is that he has zero distress tolerance. Mm. He will do anything and everything he possibly can to avoid or shut down distress. Um, Even some significant things that um, he knows he shouldn't be doing or that are wrong. And um, so that has been a huge aha for us this year. And I think we do the same thing as parents. We try to avoid that distress. We might try to do more for our kids instead of having them do it because it's easier for us to just do for them. We're avoiding that distress or discomfort. Um, I think that sometimes we walk on eggshells around our kids because we don't want the explosion. We're again, avoiding the potential discomfort and by doing that, that's what we're modeling for one thing, even yeah. subconsciously, right? And but we're also, I think, stuffing down our emotions and we're not working through them. If there's one thing I've learned about this parenthood, you have to work through your own feelings about this. You have yeah. to accept them. I think there's some guilt that comes with it. Well, why am I so sad? 
about having this kid or, you know, my child doesn't have um, a fatal disease. Yes, I felt the same way before. Yeah, and we really have to work on reconciling that. We have to work on saying, this is my story and my story is hard too, um, or parts of it. You know, I've been trying really hard working on my own mindset to not say that life is hard, but to say that some certain things are hard because if we just say that life is hard, we're, we're pulling all the joy, the possibility of joy out of it. If we're saying everything is hard, you know? Right. I, you know, I, I think, um, somebody said something to me once. it was about never kind of live your life on your child's achievements or their, downfalls. Mm, yeah. Uh, something along those lines. And I think that's really good. I mean, I think that 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 has that is helpful for me. Um because at times with my son's music, you know, I would get so excited about different, you know, different things that were going great for him. And in a way, I think that was I mean, it's great, but it's also added pressure when your child has a specific talent that, for example, we're going to be at an event in New York soon, and it's related to my book, and my good friend wants him to, you know, she's like, I would love for you to be the music for the event. Well, you know, um, you know, that would be great, but... William may not want, I mean, and, and he's the kind of person as much as I want to say, we'll prepare it and do this and do that. And you have all the skills. He just may not want to. And I've really learned also to, um, back up like yeah. real, whatever will, if you want to do it great, if you don't, because a, I've really learned, I can't control anything about him. Um, I can push my, my 16 year old into more stuff for sure, but I don't want to do that either, but I can really, but with Will, there's, you know, I just can't. And it's frustrating. It's way back to me trying to get him to fall asleep as a baby. It's really not any different. Um, I can't. It all goes back to letting them be who they are. It does. Right. It, It all goes back to that. It goes back to that. And that's what I think will make me the very happiest as a parent too. Mm-hmm. So I think as a person, I don't want to ha- to have my happiness contingent on, on those kind of things. I really just don't. So yeah. it helped me to work it through in my mind that way. And to know that really ultimately Will knows best. He knows if if he wants to play the event or if he doesn't and yes it's a great opportunity but so what you know i mean so those that's the self talk i do with my you know yeah yeah and recognizing that there could be so many reasons why he doesn't want to do it beyond just you know I don't want to be the face of ADHD today or something like that, but also, you know, maybe he's nervous about the crowd or the venue that he's never, ever been to, or, you know, that he might mess up. There's so much going on with our kids in their own thoughts and mindset that it could be a number of reasons that we haven't even considered. And I'm like you, I would focus on, this is a fantastic opportunity. How are you going to pass this up? why in the world would you pass this up? Right. And, you know, my, my daughter who hates when I talk about her, but she (laughs) is in college as an art major in illustration. And I have talked to her probably for three or four years now, every summer, I'm like, let's do a kid's book. You illustrate it. I'll write it. It will be fantastic, you know, and it's such a great opportunity. And no, she does not want to do that with me, (laughs) you know. And want to, right? And you, and I'm like, why? But there's (laughs) so many whys. There's so many whys. Um, And I think the big why for her is the anxiety that, she will mess it up or she won't meet my expectations or um, I won't, you know, like the style of the characters that she does or, you know, there's so That's many the hard parts is yeah. that, you know, you would, you know, you would be happy, right. but you can't put that on someone else. And I'm, I'm like, wow, my friend was the one that 
she she's wanting to hire you to play because she, you she, you you played at my book launch and i think he's more like mom i did that for you at your book launch uh it felt really apropos for you uh, but right once again i have spent a lot of energy really um on trying to put some of my yes um, go getter self in places yeah that they don't need, it doesn't need to be. Yep. Yeah. Being a type A mom of a different kid is tough. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I'm so happy that we, you and I have been able to, I'm just so, see, this is another blessing and gift from this book is that me, that me getting to meet you and read your book and all of that. Yeah. It just opens so many, um, not doors for opportunity, per se, career or something like that, but just um, meeting all of these other people and being able to help people um, is amazing. You know, if I didn't have this kid, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing. I would have some other life entirely, and I may not have been doing something where I could actually have a positive impact on others, which is amazing. You know, I feel completely fulfilled finally and would never have had that opportunity or maybe I would have, but it would have at least been a different way um, Mm -hmm. than what I'm doing. Like having this kid completely sent me down this path and, and it's amazing. I'm thankful for it. Would I take away his struggles? Yeah. I would love for my kid not to struggle, but, you know, we have to find the beauty in the life that we have and the story that we're living. Yeah, that's a great, that's so true. This has been such a helpful uh, conversation, I think, for everyone listening, you know, to think about what our thought patterns have been to get to that place where our expectations are different, but not necessarily less, and really accepting and parenting the child that we have Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to let go of the child we thought we might have or let go of our own expectations or what we would do in certain situations. And that's so monumentally helpful for other families and other parents. Um, For everybody listening, you can go to the show notes at parentingadhdandautism.com slash 070 for episode 70. And I have links there for you to... Um, the website to social media to um, her book, everything that you can do to connect with Catherine and to grab her book. I encourage you to read it, of course. And I know that you'll feel less alone when you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and check out the podcast too. I know you're you're early on in launching the podcast, but. Um, there will be more episodes, right? And um, helpful stuff, I know, from Catherine's podcast as well. So I encourage everyone to check out all of those links and and connect with her and her work in different ways. Um, And I thank you, Catherine, for giving Mm -hmm. us a little bit of your time and of your personal story to help us become better parents. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much. And I will be in touch with you because I want you to be on mine. So I'll be in touch. We'll do that. And with that, we will end this episode of the podcast. And I'll see everyone next time. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. If you connected with this episode, please share it on social media. Be sure to visit parentingadhdandautism.com to join the conversation and take advantage of Penny's online courses and summits, retreats, parent coaching, and fantastic bonus content.